0: Welcome to Fine-Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Sunday, December 8th, 2019. And before we get started here, Drew, I I have to ask, what sort of cool stuff did you get to do in L.A. this week? I mean, me, I shoveled out the house three times in six days. uh, And and I want to point out that winter doesn't actually start till December 21st. So, please tell me you got to do cool things in spite of the rain. You've had a lot of rain lately, we right? We have
1: had a lot of rain, but it's actually a nice little, you know, diversion. It's a nice excuse to stay inside, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm just trying to watch, you know, as many things as I can before the end of the year, and mm-hmm. we're going to get the uh, Golden Globe nominations this week, so that should be interesting. But, um, oh. yeah, just uh, just hanging out, enjoying enjoying the weather, and, and enjoying calling you as you come back from shoveling <laughs> snow and are just out of breath. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm old. What do you want from me? right. Okay. Uh, Well, speaking of of watching things, just last night, uh, Nickelodeon ran SpongeBob the Musical. Again, I'm fascinated by the history of this show. I mean, it it opened in Chicago back in in June of 2016, got great reviews, and then didn't make it into New York for a year and a half because literally there were no theaters available. Uh, or good musical theaters, I I should stress here. Uh, And so it finally opens in December of 2017 and gets great reviews, but then is basically forced to close in September of 2018 because the building that the theater, the, the, the Palace Theater, in fact, it had the greatest house uh, if you're if you're a show that appeals to tourists. In fact, this was actually where Disney had Beauty and the Beast for years before they finally moved it to the Lundfontein across the way. But as say, they literally, they had to leave the theater in uh, September of 2018 because they're doing this weird project uh, with the, the skyscraper of the palace's housing where basically they're putting jacks under the building and raising it 30 feet in the air so they can then create... Retail space facing onto Times Square. Um, so underneath
1: the theater, there will be stores and y- things.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a two. Point five billion dollar project, which, you know, I, I, God, I don't know who's going into this space, but they're going to be charging a mint. It's like, you know, it's like by the way, that, that, that there's a box of mints that'll cost you thirty five dollars. Right, so. I was going to
1: say it's the most expensive bodega ever.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it exactly. I could, have, but but it also, I guess, it includes that they're, they're building an, uh the new entrance to the theater facing onto Forty Seventh Street and an eighty foot long marquee. Uh, and but the weird part is, I guess. <laughs> so Spongebob clears out and, and begins its national tour. In fact, it, it's September of this year. Uh, they, they started out, uh, their first stop was Schenectady, and I think they were in Boston early this fall. But uh, anyway, they leave the theater because this project is going to be starting like instantaneously. And then in January, the whole project gets put on hold because evidently New York is forcing the construction team to put monitoring equipment in the buildings directly around the skyscraper? Um, Supposedly because if, you know, like one of the jack slips, it's like, hey, could you let the people next door know they're about to be crushed? (laughs) You know, (laughs) so, but but anyway, so, and I guess what I don't entirely understand here is here is this show that costs Nickelodeon, Anywhere, depending on who you talk to, it's fifteen to twenty million dollars to develop and produce. And again, it had to cut it shut, you know, uh, you know, run in New York short because again, this they they were going into this theater and then they had to clear it for the skyscraper project. And here it is touring the country, and and then they make this decision: no, we're going to do it live on television with the original cast. And it's like, I know this tour continues, the mm-hmm. national tour for another three or four months. Who's gonna buy tickets now after they've seen it? Yeah, um,
1: I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I did you watch the did you watch the thing last night?
0: I did. I did. And I have to say, I love your description of it. <laughs> what, what, what was it again. It felt so. like I
1: had been trapped in Pee Wee's Playhouse since 1988, mm-hmm. and this is the result. <laughs> this is an alternate future where Pee Wee's <sighs> Playhouse has never stopped and has just consumed us all. I thought. <sighs> I thought. I mean, I thought the production was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But what a bizarre take on things, and how I, how different! I was reading about it afterwards. That different artists wrote different songs, and
0: oh yeah, 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 yeah. And on the other hand, you know, I mean, let's face it. it Ethan Slater, the gentleman who who played SpongeBob on Broadway, and they actually brought him back for this this filmed theater presentation. Uh, have you ever seen SpongeBob quite so jacked in your life before? <laughs> I mean, I just I, – I don't like being in a world where SpongeBob could beat the crap out of me. But but on the other hand, when you watch what he did in that show, well, of course he had to be jacked. The guy never stopped moving, never stopped climbing.
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh, the, the staging of it was very inventive, I thought. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes when I go to a Broadway show, I get really itchy. Um <laughs> And I think I would have. I don't know if I would have made it all the way through. But you know, I thought it was. I thought it was great on TV. Uh,
0: it was, and and to to give them credit, to actually bring Tom Kenny in. That was to so play. cool. That was that was. Yeah. Longtime fan of Tom. I, I, I'm happy to see him anywhere doing anything. But it was nice to have him come in his patchy. And um, speaking of stuff that, that we've gotten to see just over the last you know week or so, Hair Love finally shows up online. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, oh, okay. So this one. Uh, for the uh, those folks you don't remember, this was this started off as a Kickstarter campaign, right? Um... Yes,
1: and yeah, so it was not developed by Sony Animation Studios, but they they I think they helped finish it and then they released it, um, mm-hmm. it
0: in front of it, Angry Birds, which Angry Birds or, or excuse too. me, dude, Angry Birds Two, which by the way you said you really really enjoyed.
1: Yes, I would say I don't know if the Blu Ray is out yet, but. I, I got an advance copy. You should go pick up the Blu-ray. It's a lot okay. of fun. The voice work mm. is really great. It's mm-hmm. just really funny and 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 beautifully animated. So, yeah, it was an interesting pairing, though, before.
0: No, no, no. And- no I, I get that. In fact, the story turned about two-thirds of the way through this. I just... I don't know if that's exactly how I'd want to establish the tone going into Angry Birds 2. Right. But at the same time, it's a lovely short. I mean, Matthew A. Cherry, Everett Downing Jr., and of course, Bruce W. Smith just did an amazing job with this thing. And yes. As of right now, as far as I'm concerned, the Academy Awards race for this year's Best Animated Shirt really comes down to Pixar's Kit Bull and hair love, I just these two are just so beautifully done.
1: Yeah, I love uh, both. Of those. I haven't watched all the Spark shorts yet on Disney Plus, but I wish that we could nominate uh, one of the Forky Ass the questions because did you see this week's What is Love? Uh, no installment. No. Oh my god, Jim! It is a scream, and you will love it because Carol mm-hmm. Burnett, Mel mm-hmm. Brooks, and Carl Reiner are all in it, along with no. Betty, Betty White. It is a oh, wow. yeah, it's really really wonderful.
0: Holy cow! Yeah, wow. You know, I I mean, I remember they showed up for like what a tenth of a second in Toy Story Four this summer. That what the 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 toys in the back of the closet with Woody, right? Yes, Uh,
1: but now they they have a chance to shine, Jim. And I think you were as a as a lover of those comedians and that style, I think you're going to get a real kick out of it.
0: Speaking of which, just this morning, Mel Brooks was on CBS Sunday Morning. And again, again, just 93 years old, still a very, very funny guy. But the interesting thing, the entire segment was because there's an eight-film collection of Anne Bancroft's movies that is coming out this year. And Mel, in his his usual style, turns to the camera and is like, you know, if you order it from Amazon right now, it's only $69. Pre-order it. But yeah, it was was nice to see him uh, as sharp as he was. Though, oddly enough... Uh, again, you know, Mel never lit, misses an opportunity to promote everything, and he supposedly got a, a much in the style of the producers and Young Frankenstein, a Broadway musical in the works for Blazing Saddles.
1: I've heard talk of this, but I have not um, gotten any updates. Um,
0: well, <laughs> so again, I he's I ninety three. I, I, you know, I did. I, I applaud the effort. I wouldn't necessarily be camping out, you know, right. in front of a theater. I
1: actually know. just got that. I got that box set in the mail though this week from my good friends at Shout Factory, and it is an awesome box set. And I will, I will echo Mel's thoughts that you should definitely pre-order this thing because it's uh, really great. Yeah,
0: very cool. Very cool. Now uh, we were just talking about shorts and and the like. Just this week, uh, in the coming week ahead, Disney is pushing. Well, I mean, they're doing an event to help make folks aware of some of the effects work that's been done uh, for Frozen Two. But they're also uh, allowing folks like yourself to get a, a chance to finally see Myth, the Frozen tale. That it's their VR short.
1: Yes, and this is done by the same team that did Cycles. Which we talked about on the show already, and I loved uh, that short. So I'm I'm very excited to see this. I think they had it at the premiere. Uh, I guess my invite was lost. I don't know, I, Jim. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to speculate. Oh. But I'm I'm finally gonna get to do it this week, and I'm very excited.
0: Well, okay, we'll wait to hear what you have to say about Myth. Okay. But uh, while we're talking about Frozen 2, I'm gonna the. Initial estimates for Frozen 2's third weekend at the box office, and to the surprise of absolutely no one, uh, this was number one at the box office again, uh, $34 million domestic. That actually compares well to how, uh, how the original Frozen, likewise Moana, Coco, and, and Ralph Breaks the Internet did on their third weekend in general release. Um,
1: but they, did, you, did you notice that the projections were higher on Friday? For what they this, were. Yeah. They
0: were. though. So you got to wonder whether they revised those based on what happened with Playmobil, the movie, which, geez, uh I, I, you've seen the same thing <laughs> that I've seen, right? But it's, it's the fourth lowest uh, opening weekend gross for a film uh, domestically that's that's been out in over 2000 theaters i want to say what was it six hundred and seventy thousand dollars
1: yeah well i mean the last time i looked it was the third worst so maybe it is now slightly less worse (laughs) than that but But from what uh i understand like there was not a lot of marketing behind this it was an Mm -hmm. acquisition title for stx it did Mm -hmm. similarly uh Bad overseas. I think it only mm-hmm. made like twenty six million combined internationally, and STX only put three million dollars of marketing behind it, which is like nothing. Um, and well, what, you saw those ads too for the five dollar tickets. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think clearly, that, that's a good idea, but I don't know why it just didn't it didn't work. Obviously.
0: Well, you know, the, the, I mean, think about it. We we've been watching, in fact, since Annexy. You know, when they, uh, I guess. You know that was the, where they held the world premiere, and you know the word got bad almost immediately after that. And this film went from being released in August to pushed to November to now the first week of December. And and the interesting thing that STX, I guess they, they they rolled the dice with the the thinking that okay, if we push it to the first week of December, perhaps by then Frozen Two will have burned out at the box office, or more to the point, parents who have extremely young children who are Playmobil fans, you know, that they'll have seen Frozen 2. They'll be looking for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's put it there. And it's just, you know, sometimes you roll the dice and people don't, just don't show up. Um, Though, t- interesting thing to sort of pivot looking ahead here, again, Frozen 2 has been number one at the box office for three weekends in a row, but face it, Drew, you and I both know that ends this coming weekend because uh, Jumanji, the next level, arrives in theaters Friday, December 13th. And then a week later, you know, we've got episode nine, you know, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and, um, that's that's a one 2 punch that's going to be hard to to deal with. You know, I, I mean, also, Jim, I'm going to throw this
1: out there. Cats. We don't know what Cats is going to do. It, this this it, it, is
0: cr- very true. I think this they're is trying to fill
1: the greatest showman slot, mm-hmm. you know, of the musical, family musical that everybody can see, that mm-hmm. everybody kind of underestimates. Yeah. But listen, Cats could be a contender. You know what I mean? No,
0: no, no. I, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, Nathan and I got the invite to go down to New York next week sometime to check this out. And it's just sort of like, Jim, we'll
1: be I seeing Cats on the same day. Isn't that exciting?
0: Oh. Uh, Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I I have to ask though. Um, you know, look, I, I want to stress here, folks, that when you and I talk about box office, you know, I, just because I speak with an authoritative baritone voice doesn't mean that I'm always right. I mean, I, you know, for example, remember when we talked about Adam's Family and how I was like, you know, there's no way, you know, after Halloween, the audience for this thing just goes away. I want to stress here that. Before we started recording today, I went over to box office Mojo just to check the numbers and October 31st had made 76 million dollars domestic and looking at it today, it's at 96 million dollars domestic. It made 20 million dollars more during the period when I said there was no audience out there uh, you know for this thing. So I <laughs> I am wrong you know and I have been wrong and I will be wrong again. So that's like when I look at you know what Frozen 2 is facing right now, I, I that said, I can't help but think we're not going to see a repeat of what we saw in 2013 and 2014. I mean, remember, what was it? It was the first weekend in January of 2014 where, what was it? Frozen had been released for six weeks, seven weeks at that point. And it had been number two at the box office – or sorry, number one at the box office for its two, first two weekends they release, and then, you know, sort of slid down the chart. And then suddenly, first week weekend of January, it's back at number one again. And, um, you know, and in fact, it beat out uh, the second installment of Peter Jackson's Hobbit series, uh, The Desolation of Smog. So, um, I don't know. Do, do, do you think it has these sorts of things, or does Disney even care at this point with – I don't Wait, know. I mean, I, I love that you
1: brought up Jumanji and Star Wars because, um, you know, when Jumanji came out, nobody was really talking about it or had any kind of, um, you know, preconceived notions about it. And and you mm-hmm. remember that movie went and went and went.
0: No. And just and, and let's remember again, It, didn't it open to the exact same weekend as The Last Jedi?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: And, you know, what was fascinating for me is that, you know, when all was said and done, Jumanji did $404 million domestic, whereas The Last Jedi did $620 million domestic, which, you know, again, okay, you look at those numbers, one clearly won, except Jumanji only cost $90 million to uh-huh. make, whereas... Disney, this far after the fact, is willing to admit, yeah, well, eh, Last Jedi was $317 million to produce. Um, so, you know, you can understand why they immediately pivoted and was like, yes, another Jumanji, absolutely, let's get going. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just that thing had legs that nobody expected. Nobody.
1: And, and this yeah. one looks like an even better movie. I thought the first one was fine, but mm-hmm. this one looks a little bit more fun i like the twist of it um Mm -hmm. and yeah it'll be really interesting i mean i on the on the subject of frozen i think the only thing that's really important is that they beat the first movie and i don't know you know i don't know if that's going to happen you seem to i think be a little bit more optimistic than i am at at this point but
0: well um, you know i don't know look what they're saying right now is that You know, if combine what it's going to do stateside and what it's doing overseas, sometime between now and next weekend, uh, this will, you know, blow through the billion dollar worldwide barrier. That'll make it the sixth film this year that Disney has released that did that. And and you know, the funny thing is that everybody's already assuming that. Uh, the rise of Skywalker will do the exact same thing, and, and Disney will be the first studio in Hollywood history to have seven billion dollar worldwide earners. At this point, you know, especially since that if you look at, for example, the overseas box office for Frozen and compare it to uh, the overseas the overall uh, overseas box office for for the original Frozen. That film made 582 million in, you know, the winter of 2013, th- 2014. Today, the overseas box office, and let's face it, it's got weeks yet to run overseas. It's the exact same number. It's 582 million dollars in overseas ticket sales. So this thing is clearly, you know, even if you know, domestically it peters out, this thing is still going to out earn the original it's just it's a question of, of how much yeah um, yeah but again facing the competition that it is in fact facing um but anyway i mean i guess to pivot back to Playmobil, the movie i in a weird sort of way i feel really bad for Lino De salvo i mean i he, he did so much great work for so many years yeah at disney he I was on know, the, the fact- original frozen <laughs> He was, he was, and and you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised he didn't show up in you, you, the Paul Hirsch book because he spent a couple of years working at the secret lab mm-hmm. on you know various projects over there. So and I know face it, nobody gets up in the morning and I want to make a movie that you know it's the fourth lowest grossing domestic. You All know, right. everyone wants to make a, a film that's not only entertaining but successful at the box office, and um, and he just kind of got a feel also for well look Kelly Asbury who you know was the gentleman behind ugly dolls which was the other STX release that yeah uh you know and that one you know that what to get her cost 40 something to make and what only 20 million dollars of tickets domestic and 12 overseas so that didn't even come close to to turn a profit so um I don't know I you know I just I just feel bad for these guys you know I, I've actually gotten to interview Kelly a couple of times and know just seems like a decent guy it's just sort of like but this is a tough business and yet you got to hope that like you said, you know, you want to be in a situation where the studio is putting up what? What does three million dollars in promotion get you these days? Yeah, you know? I don't know.
1: I probably get you those Instagram ads that say you can buy a <laughs> ticket for five dollars. I mean, uh, you know, it's not a lot of oomph. These are hundreds of millions of dollars are behind these promotions. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, and especially these days where you know it it, it just it fascinates me to see the sort of buying. Uh, that people will do ad wise and where they place their ads and in which particular ads and that sort of thing. Um, <sighs> so, anyway, okay, so we were talking uh, a, a bit about SpongeBob earlier. You know, in fact, they were hyping as part of the SpongeBob musical thing last night that during the seven o'clock window, all of this weekend next, Nickelodeon is doing its own holiday programming block, and among these uh, is they're going to be re- rerunning the Spongebob Christmas, which oddly enough, it was the 26th episode of uh, the eighth season of the show uh, debuted back in November 2012, and I always thought this was a standalone uh, show. That, that You've seen this one, the, the, the stop motion thing that was done by, what, Screen Novelties? Yes. Uh, uh, I, I have to say, I love this thing. If only because it had my favorite new holiday song, you know, that I heard in decades. It's the Don't Be a Jerk, It's Christmas. But yeah, that that's, When is this I, rerunning,
1: I, though, Jim? We need to tell people.
0: Well, that's you the know. thing. I, I have been trying to track that down. And Nickelodeon's schedule, again, the very fact that they don't break it out as a holiday special, the way they list it is that it's the 26th episode of season eight. I now have to go back through that entire programming block that seven o'clock programming block for the next week or so you'll never believe and
1: this jim but it is actually playing right now oh. <laughs> right this instant
0: oh the sacrifices we make for you folks I, know, I, w- I, I, I would stop this podcast now and go watch that but um is on the other hand west coast or east coast feed because that, well, that, that gives coast. me an opportunity yeah, you,
1: you could you could make it jim <laughs>
0: Cool. All right, then, then we'll definitely... All right, this, this is what we're going to do. Uh, because, again, again that's, what I love about this special is it, it, it does that weird Venn diagram thing where it's, it's a classic SpongeBob episode. In fact, the, the villain of the, the holiday special is Plankton, but it's, it's still very much in the style of Rudolph. And, and speaking of Rudolph, when we get back from commercial break, we're going to talk about some of the changes that were made to the Rudolph holiday special over the years. And we're back. Okay, so like I said, top of the show, We're recording this on December 8th, uh, 17 Days of Christmas, folks. Uh, and if you're shopping for the animation fan on your list, Drew came across this great bit of news in regard to Studio Ghibli.
1: Yes, they are actually going to be putting out all of the movies on um, digital HD for the first time ever. And you and I are very interested in this because a few weeks ago when they were talking about how it was coming, this was even before it was coming to HBO Max, they said, we're just releasing them physically and we're releasing them in rep houses. And that's it. You'll see it on the big screen or you'll buy a physical copy. And then it was announced that they're coming to HBO Max. And now it's announced that you can buy them digitally, which is actually Mm -hmm. great. Uh, And you can buy them in either the English dub or Japanese formats. It, I I feel like you should be able to get both on one purchase, but that, that's just I me, agree. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that a lot of people are doing their like best of the two thousand tens, and I feel like um, the Wind Rises is definitely something that needs to get a rewatch before that you can make that list because I think it's an absolutely beautiful movie. Um, and I know, yeah, but that
0: one's. That one's not going to be in the pile for you. Oh, it's not. Well, no. That I'm looking at the press release here. They mentioned it'll be available for digital purchase in the third quarter of 2020, which also kind of seems nuts to me because isn't the the HBO Max debut in the spring of next year? Yeah, or? it should be
1: there by March. Yeah, that's that's really weird. That is oh, weird. That's bummed out. That makes me bummed out. I have all the Blu-rays, but you know how hard it is to track down anything in your giant library. <laughs> Of films. Yes, yes, yes. Give me a week, uh, I'll find it. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, uh,
0: I, I'm pretty sure I've, I've, I've got the Studio Ghibli stuff under my copy of Who Discovered Roger Rabbit, which right. I've been promising Drew. <laughs>
1: that's right for
0: for months. Although now, I right? did
1: do that article, and it's up on Collider right now. If you want to know why Who Framed Roger Rabbit being on Disney Plus is a minor miracle, check mm-hmm. it out. Um, it goes through the whole the whole thing and. And I found some interesting things digging through. Did you know that a song from Who Discovered Roger Rabbit was released in like 2008 on some Disney
0: covers album? It was this only happens in the movies, yeah. 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 Uh and I who is it? Now, Macon wrote the song. Who did the lyrics? Was it Glenn Slater or
1: I, I mean, judging by uh, that period it should have been Glenn Slater, but I'm not sure if we know
0: exactly. Yeah, it's no, it's 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 a it's a great tune and uh but yeah, just again, kind of breaks your heart that, you know, that they were this far along and you know that, that it just didn't happen. So, um, but again, you know that you know again when you work the set of street when you talk about animation, you have to be used to uh, to disappointments or, or, or more to the fact that you know you look at something. Well, why did that change? Why did what happened there? Yeah. And, and in fact, that this brings me to uh, again on our last show, we did way too much shocking about Rankin-Bass and how people got the rights and that sort of thing. And, and Bernie was nice enough to send us a note to the effect of, hey, uh, Jim and Drew, sending this quick message after watching Rankin-Bass's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas special on Freeform. Since I watched it live, I was overjoyed to see that the channel restored the long-lost peppermint mind scene with Yukon Cornelius and the, a final line from uh, Donner and Clarice. I also admire Freeform was able to keep this special in its original length. No speed-up or shortened versions of We're a Couple of Misfits and We Are Santa's Elves, unlike CBS. If this special someday gets moved from CBS to NBC, then I hope that they keep the special in its original form and keeping the Pepper scene, Santa visiting the Misfit toys. Uh, anyway, happy holidays from Bernie. Um, and now, now, for those of you who don't know, what, you know what Bernie is talking about here when rudolph originally aired on nbc you <laughs> know by the way this thing you know oh boy did it have an ideal time slot it it the first time rudolph was aired on nbc it started at 5:30 in the afternoon at you know <laughs> you know on a sunday all right i mean and i remember this because literally my family was in boston going to see the christmas lights and i had seen and and, and I'm, I'm what five six I you know I, and the the cover of the TV guide had had uh, the Burlive snowman and the Rudolph on it and it was like I, I was an animation fiend even at that point so my family's in in Boston trying to look at the, the the Christmas lights on the Boston Common, and I'm literally nudging my family. Yeah, 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 this is wonderful. Can we get back in the car and go home? Rudolph is going to be on at 5.30. Let's go. Move, 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 move. It's like, you know, we'd like to stay long enough for it to be dark to actually look at the lights, Jim. And it's like, <laughs> screw the lights. Rudolph is going to be on. And we, we did. We, we literally ran in the door and got to see the first air of this thing. And what uh, Bernie's talking about here is the original ending of the show. You remember how... If you, if you remember watching Rudolph, Yukon is constantly throwing his pick in the air and, you know, then licking it. And it's eh, nothing, you know, he because he's looking for for peppermint mine. Yes. Uh, and in the original airing of the special, there was a scene where Yukon is standing outside of Santa's castle and he throws, you know, he the 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 pick lands on the ground. He licks it. It's, oh, my God, it's the biggest peppermint strike in the history of the the Pacific. You know, the, oh, you know, it is. So his story gets wrapped up. Um, but the interesting thing is, after um, this it, this episode, and remember, it wasn't a holiday special initially, it was just an episode of the General Electric Fantasy Hour. After this aired, NBC got hit with all of these letters from, uh, from, you know, from families who viewed the thing to the effect of, oh my god, my kids were traumatized because Santa reneged on his promise. He didn't. You know, he didn't go to rescue the the, the toys at the, uh, you know, uh, on the Island of Misfit Toys. You know, they they got left behind. And so the interesting thing is someone at the network actually turned around and you know, gave this out to Rankin Bass and like, yeah, we'd like to re-air this next year, but you're going to have to address yeah. this issue. So the whole scene with the toys on the island and the little doll with "I don't have any dreams left to dream," that was all animated in early '65 or thereabouts, and then dropped back into the show uh, for the the second airing. Jim, you're you're
1: blowing my mind now. Well, I had no idea about any of this.
0: But at the same time, you know, just this whole concept of people being triggered in in today's age, Mm -hmm. the the song, we're a couple of misfits that that both Hermie and Rudolph do separate versions of it. And then in the show, again, the, the, the 64 version, they sang it together as a duet. But same thing, you know, they also got notes from parents, the effect of Rudolph and Hermie aren't are misfits. You know, they, they you know, they, they're, they're good. Characters. And they actually they wrote a brand new song for them called Fame and Fortune and also reanimated with the original dolls for, you know, the sequence and dropped it into the show. And, you know, it, it, the weird part of it is GE also sold a soundtrack album, you know, for a dollar, you could send off and get a copy of, you know, the, the, the and all the songs from the show. So for, for years, people were like, well, wait a minute. I know that Hermie and Rudolph, you know, sing We're a Couple of Misfits because it's on the album. And it's a, what is this fame and fortune crap? And it wasn't only, it was only when the the special finally came out in 1993 on VHS that they restored the song, but then the weird part is the peppermint mine footage didn't show up till 2018, 2019. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I just I, I have to admit I'm just sort of fascinated by uh, that. You know, I, I, again, I've had a fascination from the special since I first saw that image on the TV guide back in '64. And but you know, but again, it's sort of uh, pivot to my daughter, Alice, who, you know, from my generation, because like The Wizard of Oz, Rudolph only came on once a year. You know, it was a big deal. But for, you know, people of my daughter's generation where, well, it's on Blu-ray and it's also, you know, I can watch it on the network or I can watch it on Freeform. It's like, what is the big deal? It's just, it's a holiday special. And... For folks like myself, it was like you knew it was the holiday season because you were crying because the little doll couldn't get off the island. Um, and, and speaking of things that, that have made me cry on television, <laughs> oh my God, the, the ads for Togo, the, the new Disney Plus thing with William Defoe. If I can't make it through the two minute long ad for this thing? Oh my god, Drew? Jim, you
1: have no idea. You have no idea. I could not get home quick enough to hug my dog after <laughs> watching that movie. It is it is wonderful. It comes out on December 20th. Mm-hmm. It's um Yeah, it, it's a, based on a true story. It actually has a connection to animation because Balto, which we remember yeah. as the, the I think, was that an Amblin mation
0: project? That was an Amblin. Um, uh, yeah. And, and- in fact, you know that the, the weirdest thing is that if you you go to New York Central Park, there is in fact a Balto statue there. Yeah, uh, you know, I came across it one day wandering the park and was like, "Holy crap, this so, is
1: real!" Yeah, but the sort of untold story is that was a relay uh, race. It was these there were these sick kids in Alaska mm-hmm. and they were getting trying to get the medicine to them, and it was it was you know I don't know five or six dogs that compete that contributed to this um, and Balto was the one that ended the the race he was the one that actually brought the medicine to the children and he 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 ran a lot I mean it was a it was a long distance but the distance that Togo did was like 260 miles or something insane and oh. that's the story that we finally get in this movie and it is it is it is devastating I mean I was I was so badly shaken up that publicists were hugging me as i was leaving the theater so let me just put that out there <laughs> oh, and i'm okay. perfectly comfortable admitting this because everyone else in the theater was just in tears so I, i'm man enough to admit it jim you know okay. It, okay okay
0: i have to admit i again i i enjoy a movie that does that I, you know i don't know. i love the laugh but at the same time I, I love a film that 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 you know moves me emotionally and and you know this brings me to onward you mm-hmm. know which which by the way just this past weekend uh down at the uh brazilian equivalent of comic con uh CCXP uh Dan Jim, Scanlon. we should have been
1: down there in sao paulo right?
0: yeah i know i know <laughs> but again you know i i need a few more weeks to get ready for for bathing suit weather right. or or <laughs> possibly another 10 years but um Anyway, so, uh, you know, he he was on stage talking. In fact, the interesting thing, isn't this the same story he shared, I want to say, at, at the D23 Expo in 2017 about how this project actually, you know, or, or the emphasis of a project, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he, he said that at this, at San Paolo, he said it, you know, hmm. it's a really personal film for me. When I was a year old, my father passed away and my brother was three and we have no memory of him and he played that clip at D23. Mm-hmm. You were at that D23, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I yeah.
0: was. To explain what Drew's talking about, I guess, you know, what? They, they were in their teens and they were talking with, I want to say, their dad's sister, that sort of thing. And she mentioned, hey, I think I have a recording with me and your dad on it. And they, they'd never heard their dad's voice. And I think it was like,
1: like, only one word. I think he just yeah. said, you know, hello or hi or something, <laughs> you know, and, and so that idea of being able to reconnect with a father that's passed on is what drives all of onward really i love the i love the brazilian name by the way
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you want to take a swing at that well i
1: can, we can it's translated to two brothers a fantastic journey which uh. <laughs>
0: There we Which go. Which is great. Okay. It's great. okay. Uh, well, I and and I guess this is, you know, we, we've kept this under wrap for for months now. So it, it, it's time to finally out your Drew, that, that, you know, that one of the reasons that both Drew and I are very excited about this Pixar film is Drew actually got to write the making of book. I now, did. The, the, um, you know, and, yeah. And I, this is... Through Chronicle, right? Through Chronicle,
1: Chronicle. it'll be out on March 3rd. So I think that's the same weekend the movie comes out. So Mm -hmm. go see the movie. Go pick up the book. Uh, the book is beautiful um and uh,
0: it, it, more to the point the book is currently available for pre-order. It is available on Amazon. On Amazon. Yeah, so, so yeah, if you wanna,
1: I kind of- yeah, we could do you could do a thing like when the the Star Wars stories were not out for for Christmas and you could just you know have a little IOU. You could do that for your your friend or your family member that's looking forward to Onward just you know Print out a cover of the book, put it in an envelope, give it to them, and and pre-order it. But it's it's very much worth your money. It's a beautiful book. I can't say a lot about it still, um, obviously mm-hmm. because the movie hasn't come out yet either. So I don't want to spoil anything. But it was an amazing process, um, and the filmmakers are all amazing, brilliant, and I'm so happy that Dan Scanlon gets to do an original story mm-hmm. um, because he did he you know. Someone else... It's Monst-
0: I, Monsters University. Yeah, he did Monsters it, right? But
1: he was not even the first director on Monsters University. I've never found out who was, but he was brought in. And I love Monsters University. It's one of my favorite Pixar movies. So this um, was a real thrill for me. I, I, Jim and I obsessively collect these books, so it's gonna oh, be yuck. it's gonna be a stain on his bookshelf that one of them will have my name uh,
0: on. It. <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I, I've actually been talking to Nancy about the effect of we live in such a cluttered house. We don't have room for a coffee table. I'm going out and getting a coffee table just so I can put your book on it. Thank you know, God! It, Thank God. I, 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 I have this weird tangential pride that, you know, that you got picked for this project and and this book is coming out. I mean, it just, you know, I I cannot explain to you why. I I, I think I'm actually more excited about this book than you are. Oh, well, good, good. But I mean, the the amount
1: of ideas and things that they came up, I mean, for those that maybe don't know that much about Onward, it's about sort of a suburban uh, fantasy land where magic has kind of gone away. And so Mm. these two brothers find a spell to bring back their father and it doesn't quite go the right way and you'll you'll see it in the trailer but the amount of amazing ideas the things that they came up with for this movie jim that are not in the movie but that are in the book will blow your mind it is amazing this 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 journey of this making this movie was really fantastic and um i'm so glad to be a small part in sharing that journey with everybody Mm -hmm. next year Mm -hmm.
0: No, no, again, can't wait to read that. In, in, to speak of which, though, just this past week, I've got my copy of the Making of Cloth, and uh, again, a, another thing. If you, you're you're looking for something fun to watch this holiday season, head on over to Netflix. Is it
1: out, or um, did you get a pre? No,
0: it, it's out. Okay. I, I literally, you know, went to my local bookstore, and it's like, hey, they're there. Okay, cool. So, uh, you know, at the, some point, I actually have to stop start shopping for other people. I mean, it is the <laughs> holiday season, uh, but but yeah, it's happy to add this to my library. And more to the point, very much looking forward to the art of onward. And Good. again, got to get a decent coffee table between now and then. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, if people. Can't wait to be t- entertained by Drew Taylor. You know, till onward. Finally, the art of onward finally arrives in bookstores. Uh, they can find you elsewhere on, online, other than on, on this podcast. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, right? I'm
1: I'm back to the freelance life, so you can follow me on Twitter for whatever the latest thing is from wherever I'm writing. But also, you can listen to like the Fuse, which is the Mission Impossible podcast. Um, we've got a great uh, two part interview this week with this great British. Critic and filmmaker and then um, Closing out the year we're going to have a three part um, Paul Hirsch Interview once again the master yeah. Our favorite uh, our, and our favorite author Of this year I, I,
0: like. I, I Again I, <laughs> I'm i sorry I've already flogged enough books for this show But again you know cannot say enough nice things About uh, a long time Ago in a cutting room far far away That's, uh, In fact I just sent a copy of that To our pal Danzy who By the way is on his way back from Orlando right now having what a, what a you, jerk
1: you know what a <laughs> jerk I cannot believe he flew he said you know what I wasn't invited to the media event I'm gonna go down opening weekend and he just went and you know what I love him for that He's he is very type A and he got mm-hmm. the job done you know I'm gonna see him next he week at the, at the premiere of Skywalker so I'm excited yep. for that we'll send you a picture Jim
0: Okay, I, I, I do want to see the two of you together okay. there, but he was, had all sorts of nice things to say about uh, Rise of the Resistance, which, again, seems to be Disney's, you know, Hagrid's magical motorbike venture, but um, <laughs> but ho- hopefully they're getting a handle on the operational side Listen, of it. Listen, when it but- opens
1: out here, Jim, it'll be flawless. It'll be perfect, <laughs> God willing.
0: <laughs> Okay. Well, okay. In addition to the podcast you're listening to here, and again the the one I do with Dan Z, looking at Lucasfilm, we have Disney Dish with Lantesta. Wait, wait, have- did
1: those did those musical episodes get cleared yet? <sighs>
0: <sighs> we are at this point i think we are inches away from and it's breaking my heart because aaron did all of this great work yeah hiring musicians you know uh, you know, getting people together so we can hear these these buddy baker songs that you know only existed in manuscript form yeah and but again disney legal uh you know it's it's all a rights clearance issue and we may have to literally go back and pull the music out of these episodes i mean yeah. the stories are still great the Stories of you know, uh, you know how the energy pavilion was almost hosted by Jiminy Cricket, or. Or God help us, you know, the the version of the American Adventure Pavilion that Mark Davis initially worked on where it celebrated like backyard, backyard barbecues and, you know, dressing up for Halloween and that sort of thing. And how, you know, you know Disney management at that point or the WP WED management was like, no, no, we don't want this. You know, I mean, you know, Mark, you know, they basically forced him into retirement because they made him feel, feel like he was out of step. With, you know, what they want in the Disney parks. And then the ironic thing is for the next five years, they keep bringing him back as a consultant because especially when it came to Tokyo, it's like, well, what do you want? Well, that stuff that Mark Davis designed, we'd really love that, you know. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm hoping, you know, because we've got like four of those. Oh, I've listened
1: done. to all of them, Jim, and they are amazing. And I I really do hope that they – see the light of day because they're really special and those will be Bandcamp exclusives, I believe. They
0: will, they will, they will. (laughs) Wonderfully skilled flogging there, Drew. Thank Thank you. Okay, okay. so what else we got? We got uh, Marvelous Disney uh, that I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here. Uh, We have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse Uh, and I apologize, folks. The I Want That show is going to be on hold for a little bit. Michelle's dealing with some family stuff and some, some health issues, but we may knock out a quick uh, Christmas gift guide that. <laughs> Probably will mention The Art of Onward, yeah. uh, you know, sometime in the, the coming week or two. Anyway, uh, I tell you what, if you enjoyed listening to today's show, uh, if you could myself and Drew a favor, uh, head over to iTunes and not only uh, rate and recommend Fine Tuning, but also uh, put it in a plug for Light Diffuse. It, it's a great show about the, the Mission Impossible uh, films and TV show. Uh, on the other hand, if you really, really, really like what we do here, if you get out our Bandcamp and subscribe, that that would be incredibly helpful. And I guess that's it for now. And now if you excuse me, I must scurry to a television and see if I can catch, uh, you know, <laughs> the last moments of the It's a SpongeBob Christmas thing on Nickelodeon. Go, so, Jim, uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Until then, we'll talk to you soon, OK? Bye.